0: 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse number 7, the Bible says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let. That's the Old English usage of the word let, which means actually hinder. Who now hinders will hinder until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. I want to talk to you today from this subject, a prescription for the end times. A prescription for the end times. If you're holding your Bible, could you at least lift one hand? Let's ask the Lord to help us one more time this afternoon. Everybody together praying. Lord Jesus, one more time I come to you asking for your divine anointing and your help. I'm conscious of my human limitations, my inabilities, but I pray that you would somehow take this flawed vessel of clay and use it for your glory and honor today, help me to speak what you would have me to say. I pray in Jesus' name. We need your help today in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. It is official this afternoon. America is no longer a nation under God. No longer is it indivisible. The Supreme Court decision of a few weeks ago legalizing gay marriage in America sealed that for all time. Of course, we know that it is only the latest in an all-out onslaught against the biblical principles that this nation was established upon, like legalizing abortion some decades ago, removing school prayer, and uh, taking down the Ten Commandments off of the courtroom walls, and on and on it goes. In addition to that, the entertainment industry, which is such a powerful force in this country, belittles anything and everything that pertains to God and the church and the ministry and challenges every absolute and every long-held belief that there is, all the while also promoting things like violence and immorality and perversion, all manner of uncleanness. We are without a doubt living in the times that the Apostle wrote about in Romans chapter 1 when he said, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be Wise they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever and ever. And the church say, "Amen." Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. That's not being judgmental, sir. That's the Word of God. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, unclean wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Interesting it should throw that in there because it starts at a young age. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. We are watching this scenario unfold before our very eyes. I know it's not necessary, but I want to go on record this afternoon nevertheless to say that I don't care what the Supreme Court has decided. I don't care what the powers that be have concluded. The Supreme Court has no jurisdiction within these walls. We have a higher law. We have a more enduring commandment. It's still wrong. God's still against it. And he's still going to judge this nation for it. I'm glad that when we walk through those doors, the president has no jurisdiction in here. Doesn't matter what he's in favor of. We serve a higher power. The governor of Arkansas and the mayor of this city, amen, they have no jurisdiction in here when it comes to things that the word of God is against. Within these walls, amen, there is a more eternal ordinance that we bow to today. Can I hear an amen? Can I get a witness in this house? Clap your hands to the Lord. Within these walls, abortion is still wrong. Within these walls, perversion is still wrong. Within these walls, immorality is still wrong. Within these walls, adultery is still wrong. Fornication is still wrong. Homosexuality is still wrong. Praise the Lord. And uh, the entertainment industry... They do not set the tone for the apostolic church. Not in our lifestyles, not in our dress codes, and not in our behavior. My sons were kind of laughing at me the other night. They said, Dad, you need to update the names that you've been using. Britney Spears is old news. And uh, they named several others, and and, uh, I don't know who the latest the latest stars are, the latest idols are, they still don't set the tone for the church. And they still don't tell us how to dress. They still don't tell us how to act. I don't know who they are and you shouldn't know who they are. I don't listen to them and you shouldn't listen to them. The apostolic church is the only holdout today against total demonic control. The devil has everything else in his bag. He's got the nations in his hands. Whenever he said to Jesus, if you'll worship me, bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of the nations of the world. Jesus did not dispute that. He called him the prince of this world. This is his domain. The governments are in his pocket. The Supreme Court, as we now know, is in his pocket. The educational system is in his pocket. As they indoctrinate our young people against any belief in any higher power and take the scissors of reason to clip the wings of faith much of religion is in his pocket religion won't save you anyway never has never could but there's still a small pocket a small group of believers that refuse to let him have control I'm glad I can say I'm one of them. I'm in that number. What he says doesn't go in here. Psalm chapter 48 verse 1 said, This is the city of our God and the city of our great King. He rules. He reigns. He commands. He declares. He decides within these walls. Praise the Lord. It is no wonder he hates the church so much. No wonder he's fighting against the church so much. No wonder he's trying to undermine the church so much. Because it's the only thing he doesn't control. He's either here or he's got some other demonic forces around here eavesdropping. So let's just let them know one more time. This is still God's house. This is not Satan's seat. It's God's house. We don't care what the world likes. We only care what he likes. And yet, what worries me is that the Bible says, said it 2,000 years ago, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. It works with great power and great signs and lying wonders. It's a very effective, deceptive force. Amen. And so, you can believe that the enemy is going to utilize all of the power that it has to try to infiltrate and undermine and work within the confines of the church to rob us of our power and steal away our anointing and the blessing and the favor of God. Praise the Lord. As the world goes, so often goes the church in the sense that, amen, the same things that are affecting the world impact the church. We feel the pressure. We feel the spiritual opposition from the powers of darkness. My Bible still says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. We feel it when we try to pray. Oh, you still pray, don't you? We feel it when we try to worship. He doesn't want you to worship God. Amen. And we feel it while we preach. And sometimes He tries to stifle our church services and bind them up. Amen. So uh, there is no liberty. Every real apostolic ought to make up your mind. You're not going to let the devil have our prayer meetings. That are going to let him have our worship services. And if you see your preacher struggling, get up on your feet and holler, amen, like you never have before. I feel like preaching a little while this afternoon. You know what bothers me even more than what the devil is doing? Is the fact that there is another power behind a lot of this agitation. And it is none other than God Himself. I read in the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, He said, Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but heaven also. Not just the earthly, but the heavenly. Amen. Not just the conventional, but the spiritual. God is allowing a shaking to take place, an agitation to take place. And he's even letting the devil throw every trick and every deception that he can against the church. Because he wants to find out who has the goods, who's true blue, who's sincere, who's bona fide, who has the real experience. His objective is, amen, that those things that cannot be shaken may remain. After all, he declared a long time ago, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's not worried about the real church. The real church is going to stand. The real church is going to overcome. The real church is going to survive. I'm not worried about the real church. I'm just worried about some of you. But the real church is not going down. The real church is going forward. And the real church is going up one of these days. Clap your hands unto the Lord today. There are three main areas, I believe, of great testing today that I would like to address as briefly as I can this afternoon. Three areas in which the enemy is trying to infiltrate, and with a continual war of insurgency and attrition, amen, is trying to make inroads into the Pentecostal movement. The first of them is the area of worship, which is in many areas becoming increasingly more entertainment-oriented. Because we think that's what people want today. Because this is an entertainment society, so let's give them an entertainment church. We're not here to entertain you, honey. We're here to worship our God. Whether you like it or don't like it, it don't make no difference. There's a strange phenomenon taking place in Pentecost. Whereas some years ago the charismatics came along and they borrowed our form of worship. They learned how to clap their hands and juke and jive and jump up and down. Praise the Lord! Now, the tables have turned, and the Pentecostals are trying to copy what the Charismatics are doing. I don't care what the Charismatics are doing. I don't care what their latest programs and gadgets and gizmos and, and, and their, little, their little entertainment deals that they do. We don't care about that! That's what it takes to hold people today. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Not if you have the anointing. Not if you have the power and the presence of God. I love good music, and I love good singing, and Pentecost has some of the most talented people in it that you'll find anywhere, but let me just say this, evolve your talent, get it as good as you can get it, but I want to say this, music that is designed to please us is not worship. never has been. We get all the chord progressions just right to get people juking and jiving. They can do that at a concert hall. They can do that at a rock and roll concert. Amen. Music that does not give glory to God is not worship. Amen. And if it appears to glorify the flesh... You can know this right off. The devil has hijacked it. He's been trying to draw worship toward himself for millenniums now. Earlier in this same chapter, it tells about him sitting in the temple of God, trying to show himself that he is God. He wants your worship. That's what the sports arenas are all about, by the way. We'll say it again. The sports arenas are the biggest churches in America. Because whatever gets your passion, whatever gets your energy, whatever gets your money, whatever gets your devotion, whatever gets your interest, that's your God. That's your God. He's been trying to hijack God's worship for millenniums now. We should make up our minds. We're not going to let it happen in the Apostolic movement. I'm also not against new music. I like a lot of new music and a lot of the new songs. But here's the thing that troubles me. And if I sound like a broken record today, please forgive me. Amen. I'm really not sorry, but please forgive me. And that is this. There's some things that are noticeably absent, for noticeably absent from much of the new music in Pentecost. It says little or nothing about the cross. It says little or nothing about the blood. It says little or nothing about heaven. It's all about me and my, my selfish needs and my selfish wants. Here's another thing, amen, want to embrace good new music, go ahead. But let's not let some of the old music die. What's wrong with amazing, great, sweet, the sound that saved a wretch like me? What's wrong with thou cherish the old ragged cross? What's wrong with on Calvary's hill of sorrow? Where sin's demands were paid. And rays of hope for tomorrow across our paths were laid. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. Its waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over me. I still like this power, power wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. I still like my heart was distressed, neat Jehovah's French frown, and low in the pit where my sins dragged me down. I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay, who tenderly brought me out to golden day. He brought me of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Hallelujah. I still like, some bad morning we shall see, Jesus in the air, coming after you and me. Joy is ours to share, what rejoicing there will be, when the saints shall rise, headed for that jubilee, yonder in the skies. Oh, what singing, oh, what shouting. And everybody will be happy over there. Woo! And we're going to sing and shout and dance about when we get over yonder. The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He. The everlasting Father. The King eternally, the wonderful in wisdom by whom all things were made. The fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed. It's all in him. It's all in him. Don't let those old songs die. Come on, worship the Lord a little bit today. Area number two, the area of holiness and separation. I know you knew I'd get there sooner or later. Not trying to be a smart aleck. But I'm concerned about so many Pentecostals nowadays who are trying so hard to be accepted by the world they're losing their identity allowing the wholesale infiltration of carnality and worldliness it's robbing us of anointing virtue and blessing praise the Lord amen these old-fashioned rules and regulations and standards that are keeping people out of the kingdom of God Well, I happen to remember reading that the one who said he was the door, said, Narrow is the way, and straight is the gate that leads to life, and few there be that find it. He even said, Many will seek to enter in, and shall not be able to, because broad is the way, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. You don't want standards and holiness guidelines and separation are not going to keep anybody who's really sincere from entering into the kingdom of God. And I'm amazed at how many are embracing, amen, this new emerging church philosophy. We'll let them go ahead and play uh, the guitar on the platform even though they're still smoking cigarettes. Because they're emerging. They're coming along. They're entering into the church. We'll let them sing in the choir even though they still have an alcohol problem because they're just emerging. They're coming in. We're just reaching out to them hate to break this to you, honey. You don't get to play music on the platform unless you've been born again. You don't emerge into the church. You don't ease into the church. You don't ooze into the church. You don't gradually enter the church. You're born into the church of the water and of the spirit. And when you are, you become a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away and all things are become new. If you're living a perverted lifestyle, you don't get to sing in the choir. You don't get to teach in our Sunday school classes. We love you, we'll pray for you, but there's only one way, and that's to an old-fashioned old of repentance. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Amen. And... Uh, and then, and then some genius, some genius, I'm sorry, I, I prayed before this service and I said, God, help me to strip out of this message everything that's Jonathan Alviar. But, I'm sorry, the Bible said, professing to be wise, they became fools. So, one of these, you know, these geniuses... Come along and they say, there's nothing really in the Bible against men wearing beards, facial hair. And so, and so, since there's nothing really in the Bible against it, we'll at least relent in that area. You know all that is, is a trial balloon. And every time you hear that, praise the Lord, it's not long before, it's not just facial hair. That is women cotton their hair. That is jewelry. That is makeup. That is women wearing pants. Did you really think we were that stupid? We're not that dumb. We know what your agenda is. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then you hear where they're even social drinking and going to ball games, professional ball games. Oops. 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 Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And then after a while, Amen, it's just everything goes. And they do it in the name of growth and revival and growing their churches. And in most cases, there's some guys that took strong, thriving churches that were handed to them. They didn't have to dig out, they didn't have to develop, they didn't have to establish, and then they run them right into the ground. And the next thing you know, instead of being full, they're down to just, amen, a handful of people. Because once you lose your identity, what's to keep your people from running off to all the other big super churches in the area? that have bigger programs and deeper pockets and the latest and the greatest singing and performing and speaking there. We don't need to lower our standards to grow our churches. If you're going to lose anybody, let it be overtaking a stand and growing a line and say this is what we're about. But look around you. Somebody's going to embrace it. Somebody's going to fall in love with it. It's easy to point our finger way out there. But I'm even worried about some of our conservatives churches the clothes are getting tighter more revealing I noticed there's support up here but quietness out there necklines plunging a little lower hemlines climbing a little higher until they're fairly to the knees. These men have to deal with enough temptation out there. They shouldn't have to be averting their eyes in here.
1: Come on now. Come on now!
0: Marginal makeup. Just a little clear this and a little clear that. Then after a while a little color starts appearing in the clear. Wild and crazy hairstyles. we're not going to cut our hair, why fix it to where it looks cut? Reveals where your heart is. Come on now. By the way, what part of... It's a shame for a man to have long hair. Can you not understand? And what part of... If a woman have long hair, it is her glory. It is the glory unto her. What part of that don't you understand? Praise the Lord. And it's not just the young ladies, but it's the young men. In their tight britches. Skinny jeans and skinny suits. Spiky hairdos. See, we heard that here last year, Brother you I haven't changed either. Here's what bothers me a lot of times it's the young preacher setting the trend. Look like playboys that just stepped out of Gentleman's Quarterly Magazine. Shame on you. Shame on you. Did I say that out loud? I thought it. Did I say it out loud? I guess I did, and I'm not taking it back. What we present in the pulpit will have ten times worse in the pew. We don't want a church full of effeminate, 65 looking boys and men. Let's not have it on the platform. Area number three, amen, and that's our doctrine. And this is the area of my greatest concern, is by the way, whenever you lose your holiness identity, you'll start embracing anything. You'll start letting the Trinitarian groups come and sing for you. And the big name Trinitarian speakers come speak for you. Until the people are confused, they don't know what to believe in anymore. They don't know if it's really essential anymore to be baptized in Jesus' name. It is as essential as it has ever been. Men taking second looks and reconsidering old truths challenging every doctrine and every creed and building bridges to Trinitarians. Building bridges to Trinitarians. Well, I'm going to build a bridge to the Trinitarians today. It's called Acts 2.38. You can't come over on this side Unless you cross over that bridge. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive a gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the biggest smart aleck I've ever heard. I'm sorry, but this is a Pentecostal camp meeting. What did you think you were going to hear when you came to the first Pentecostal church this afternoon? Amen. And here's, here's one cause of the problem. So you've got, I mean, there's some smart guys around these days. They're intellectuals. I try to join conversation with them. I just get left in the dust. I'm not, I'm not near smart. They talk about stuff that is like me in physics class. And what's happening is there's all these cult classics and, and trendsetting books being promoted and spread around Pentecost. Did you read this? And did you read that? It's cutting edge. It's right out there. It, it's, it's out of the zone, man. It's woo, this, is, this is deep. This is deep stuff. And so you've got a lot of younger men trying to impress one another by coming out with new doctrines and new dogmas and new thoughts and new insights that are way out there. You know, cool, cutting edge. The next thing you know, you read something that sounds really interesting and cool to you. Then you try to find some scriptures to supplement it and and back it up. The Bible is not Play-Doh. You can't make it conform to just any old model out there. You don't use Bible to substantiate a theory. It's Bible. It's no wonder that the result is a whole lot of weird doctrines and confusing messages that are coming along. Oh, I could be more direct here, but it probably better not. Praise the Lord. No, you're not up here. That's why you're saying Go ahead. You're not up here. Praise God. But a lot of weird stuff coming down the pike. Let me ask you, brainiacs, something. Is the oneness of the Godhead not interesting enough for you? While you're trying to find something really deep and really cool, let me give you one. The God that made the universe, that's Broke the worlds into existence. Said one day many hundreds of years ago, I'm gonna give you a sign, behold a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. And when the fullness of time was come, he called over Shakatalama. He who spread out the heavens as a curtain overshadowed a young virgin girl. And she conceived. And the great God of eternity stepped he bent into a little baby. And God, God was manifest in the flesh. And He stepped down and walked among us. And we beheld His glory. Is that not cool enough for you? Is preaching the cross not quite deep enough for you? Is it just not quite deep enough for you? That's not interesting enough. When he said, no man takes my life from me, I lay it down when I get ready. To this end did I come. And he set his face steadfastly toward Jerusalem, knowing what was going to happen to him there. Amen. And even on that night, when they came after him, he said, Who do you seek, Brother Cox? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he let them have a little glimpse of what they were dealing with. And he said, I am he. The original simply says, I am. It was an echo coming all the way from the burning bush. I am the lion! And the Bible said they all went backward and fell to the ground. I don't know how they could have proceeded with their mission. I think I would have said, you boys take him. I'm going to the house. The dogs need to be fed. I got some socks I need to sort out in my sock drawer or something. But I'm not going to fool with him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All power in heaven and earth belonged to him. And he submitted himself to go to Calvary. And he shed his blood for my sins and your sins. Is that not cool enough to preach? I'm sorry. I hate that I miss the elder. Yesterday morning, my sons told me he preached about the blood. Oh, we need to hear that more and more. I've preached in churches that were 30 years or older and had never heard one single message on the blood. Not one. What in the world are we preaching Are we just interested in getting folks to juke and jive? we got to put something in them. Without the blood, there is nothing. There is nothing. We were redeemed by His blood. We were set free by His blood. We were emancipated by His blood. I'm trying to hurry to a close today. But I'm not there yet. Amen. Is, is holiness and separation preaching too challenging for you whiz kids? And smarty britches? Is it too challenging? Is it put you in a bind? Does it, does it make you too uncomfortable? It's kind of hard to keep up your cool status. And preach holiness and separation and get down and dirty. And name it! And name it! And name it! But you know what? We better do it. And we better do it in meetings like this. Lift your hands and worship the Lord, would you? Bible said, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, let me tell you how effective that is. It's so effective that he persuaded, from what we can gather, a third of heaven's angels to rebel with him. Angels that stood in the very presence of God angels who the Bible says are greater in power and might than we he was able to deceive them. Amen. Now what kind of equipment do you have? What kind of defense system do you have to resist his deceivableness? when He can come with all power and signs and lying wonders. If you are easily impressed with things that are sensational, and wow, and all of that, you're going to be swept away today. There's only one thing. There's only one thing. There's only one thing that's going to insulate you in this hour. Oh, I know you've got to have the Holy Ghost, and greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. But the reason given was because they received not a love of the truth. It was offered to them, but they rejected it. I'm going to tell this camp meeting this afternoon, you better get a love for this truth. Down in your gizzard, like you never have before. Because even God is offended when people sit around in church sometimes for years and decades, and turn their noses up at it. and get bored looking when the pastor starts preaching Acts 238. and get bored when he starts preaching about the oneness of the Godhead, or get disgusted when he starts going down the oh, here we go. another closed message. God is offended. God is insulted, and God Himself will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. They won't even know they're deluded. They won't even know they're deceived. God will send them a strong delusion that they might believe a lie, that they might all be damned. I don't know about you, but I don't want to telegraph anything to God or the devil. That would make any either one of them think I'm not interested in this truth, that I don't love this truth, that I'm not passionate about I'm passionate about this truth. Paul said to Timothy, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Anybody want to volunteer for that tonight? Or does anybody want to stay in the true church? He also said in First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 is no the spirit speaks expressly expressly saying that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Hallelujah. I'm not very bright, and I'm not very smart, and I'm not very intelligent. Not like some of these intellectuals that are coming along today. So my prayer is, God, please, don't let me be deceived. Don't let me be deluded. Give me a greater love for this apostolic message than I ever have in my life. You Give me just a few more minutes and I'll be done. Amen. These are powerful forces that are at work today. Powerful spirits that are at work today. Amen. When somebody who others greatly admire takes a detour, here goes a whole bunch of others running after them. Praise God. you got to have this in your heart, you hear me? you got to have this in your heart. That no matter how sensational it is, how big it is, how loud it is, how pretty it is, when it doesn't have that ring of truth, you'll turn away from it. Here's what encourages me in that very verse where it says some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, is the fact that it says some. Thank God, not everybody. Some, but not all. But not all. There's going to be a group of people in 2015 that are going to say, not for me. Not for me. I'm staying in the church. I'm staying in the church. I'm backing up my preaching. Even right here in our text. Amen. In the book of Thessalonians, these people that Paul was writing to. Amen. When you read in the book of Acts, when Paul preached in Thessalonica, he encountered some of his strongest and most vigorous opposition. In Thessalonica. Amen. So much that there were uh, some lewd fellows of a baser sort. They got all the city in an uproar and they were literally rioting in the streets and eventually Paul had to leave town. Amen. And it wasn't enough for Paul to leave town, but the Bible said he goes to Berea and there there were many who were more noble than those at Thessalonica and they embraced the truth, but some from Thessalonica followed him there just to harass him there. That's how uh, vigorous his opposition was at Thessalonica. And yet right there in Thessalonica, with all of that agitation, the Bible lets you know that there were some that believed it. And then he writes, for we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. I don't care how many walk away. I don't care how many causes me. I don't care how Many people rebound. There's some people that are going to say, preach it right and preach it straight, and we are behind you 100%. Come on, clap your hands. Clap your hands. I'm trying to hurry to close. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm talking about a prescription for the end times. And here it is. It's very simple. It's very, very simple. With all of this high-powered stuff going on, mystery of iniquity working, spirit of deceivableness, and even God sending strong delusion. With all of this going on, the prescription is very simple. Stand fast! And hope the traditions! That you have been taught. I've made up my mind in 2015. I've been preaching for 40 years now. Amen. But I haven't come this far to turn back now. I've made up my mind. I want to preach one God to the world looks flat. I'm going to preach Acts 2.38 till the world looks flat. And if folks get barred, and if folks get disgusted, and folks get disgruntled, let them go, let them go. You want something more than that, this isn't for you anyway. God's looking for a select group of people that when they hear it, Brother Mayo, when they hear it, amen, they say, that's for me, that's what I've been looking for. You know what I was thinking last night while you were preaching? I was on an airplane yesterday, and there was this... Old guy, kind of half bald, gray-headed. He had a long ponytail and a t-shirt. He looked like a Jerry Garcia type. You know these holdovers from the 70s? And I thought, you know what? If God hadn't intervened in your life, that's what you might look like right now. You might just look like an old hippie, washed up and washed out. Aren't you weren't you thrilled about that testimony here last night? Somebody! When they hear it, it's going to say, that's it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother Young from our church here. Lift your hand, Brother Young. Hey Amen. used to be an old hippie. He said he was raised by wolves. Doesn't have much hair now, but he said he used to have a mohawk. And he got in the service. And he was in Desert Storm. And somebody there preached the truth to him. And right there in the desert of Iraq, in Desert Storm, he embraced it. And he said, if this is right, I need to get baptized. But there isn't any water to get baptized in. And so his friend said, Well, we're going to need to pray then that God, amen, will send us some rain. They are in the desert of Iraq. They prayed. It started raining that night. It rained all night. It rained all the next day. And that night, it came a deluge. And by the next morning, there was stuff floating, there was equipment floating on the desert floor and there was enough water in little holes and dug out places he was baptized in Jesus name this is still the only message this is still the only message The true church is going to prevail. The true church is going to overcome. God's going to fight for His church. I said, God's going to fight for His church. So if we don't back down a little bit, if we don't change a few things, we're going to lose everybody. And then how are we going to pay our bills? Well, a little over four years ago, I took the to church in crisis. It was a major crisis. And one of the big parts of it was the financial part. Amen. The economy had tanked. Construction around the Atlanta area went upside down. Men filed for bankruptcy. Amen. People had to take lesser jobs, lesser paying jobs. And the church financial situation changed drastically. Plus, there was a group of folks, amen, that bailed out when it got rough. Before I ever got there, that bailed out. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, and it left us with a serious, serious situation. Nice building. Beautiful building. Twenty-five acres and whatnot. But we had no way to pay for it, brother. I'm telling you, with the number of folks that we had left and the financial duress they were under, there was no way to pay for that building. No way. It didn't take an Einstein to figure out it was not doable. and uh, And yet somehow we just... We just plowed on, plugged on, month after month. I couldn't have an evangelist come by. Couldn't have a missionary come by. I'm sure there were missionaries that thought, what's the matter? Then they like me and, you know, he doesn't invite me. We couldn't. We couldn't. I'm, we were so financially strapped, we couldn't do it. All the eggs were going in one basket. I'd go off and preach out, come back, hand the, sec- the secretary my, my offering and put it in the in the basket and, and uh, just try to keep things afloat, keep things afloat, keep things afloat, month to month. Amen. When you get text at the end of a month in a church our size from the secretary that says we're $8,000 short in paying mortgages this month, you have some sleepless nights. You worry. Amen. If there's never a time to compromise. That's it, brother. It's time to compromise a little bit. Praise the Lord. But we held on. We held on. I don't know how many times I walked out of the secretary's office with her in tears. What are we going to do, Brother Alviar? I don't know what we're going to do. I have no idea. All I know is this is God's church. He's going to have to solve it, He's going to have to take care of it. I don't know the answers. I'm not a financial genius. I don't know the answers. Praise the Lord. And, and I finally thought, you know what? If we have to foreclose, we'll foreclose. If we lose the building, we lose the building. We start all over again. We ran a plane. We cut our expenses down. We just, we just keep on plugging. In the middle of all that, I read a scripture one Sunday night from Haggai, uh, I believe it's Haggai, uh, where the prophet, uh, excuse me, Habakkuk, where the Bible says, that, though the fig tree shall not blossom, blah, blah, blah. And I preached that night. What are we going to do if he doesn't? If He doesn't solve our problem, if He doesn't supply our need, if He doesn't take of our financial situation, if He doesn't heal our body, what are we going to do? The next verse said, yet I will praise the Lord. We're going to have church. We're going to shout. We're going to worship. Because He's still worthy to be praised. And I'm condensing the story uh, greatly, but, but you know, I just felt like, well... You know, if we have to fold the tent, if we, have to, if we have to foreclose, who's going to blame? I didn't cause the problem. I didn't create it. Just trying to solve it. And so surely nobody will feel bad at me about it. But I just, I, I didn't want the saints to have to go through that. I knew it would be a major, a major emotional and morale defeat for them. They had worked so hard for so many years. And so I just tried to hold on from month to month, month to month. And then one day back in late January, I think it was, I got a phone call. And it was those kind of phone calls that when you hang up, you just stare into space. And I thought, what just happened here? Because if this is for real, this is a game changer. And when the situation progressed through its necessary phases... I kept, you know, I was skeptical. I didn't tell my friends. Nobody knew. My friends didn't know. My extended family didn't know. I finally told my immediate family, but that's all. Because, you know, there's that, there's that doubt. What if it doesn't happen? Then you'll just end up looking foolish and have egg on your face and whatever. And so, I kept thinking, it'll fall through. It won't happen. Something will sabotage it. They just kept moving and moving, moving forward without a single bump, without a single snag in it whatsoever. And finally, amen, on Friday. Friday of March the 6th, I received the formal confirmation. And I walked to the pulpit on March the 8th. And I won't tell you what all happened that morning. But with the whole church assembled around them, I told them how. That just last year I had decided, you know what, if we have to lose the building, we will. And we'll just keep having church doing something. We'll rent a place and we'll just keep having church. They're all staring at me with their eyes this big. Some of them thought I was about to resign. I told them later, I said, you should have known better than that. I was too broke to get out of town. I was in debt many tens of thousands of dollars personally just trying to help the church stay afloat. I couldn't leave town. And the other half thought I was about to announce that we were going to lose the church. I said, but because of a miracle that God has performed in our behalf, in the next few days, I am going to walk into the bank, and we are going to pay off this entire church mortgage at one time. $826,000! It stand for you. There was a the moment. There was a the moment of hesitation. Just a split second. And then pandemonium broke out. They shouted. They danced. They ran. They turned somersaults. Those that could. turn somersaults. They hugged one another. They laughed. They cried for one hour and a half. We partied. And that afternoon, somebody went to Party City and came back to church that night with a whole bag full of little horns and whistles and passed them out to everybody. And that worship service was very interesting. But we partied some more. And we partied for weeks. You want to know the clincher? You want to know the clincher? Before that service was over, my secretary got word to me that she had gone and checked on the computer to see what we had in the account. Because we had a guest speaker that day, which was unusual. We hadn't had anybody. and uh, But it just so happened we had a guest speaker that day. And she was worried about us being able to give them an offering. And she got word to me that we had a combined total, this is all accounts, tithe included, of $11.38 stands, whether we needed it all or not, on that Sunday morning. And we went from $11.38 to paying that building and property off from one day to the next. Now God may not do it that way for you, but I'm here to tell you, anchor your feet in this truth. Stand fast, the traditions. Keep on preaching it. Let God work miracles for you. As I close here today, hand this microphone back to the bishop or whoever. Praise the Lord. I'm here to tell you that God that did that can do anything. In fact, He can do something here today. Here's what thrilled me as I started sending texts out to my friends. Because once I knew it was true, <laughs> it was easy to notify everybody. And uh, so I started, and, and they I started getting texts back over the next several days and weeks from pastor friends all over the country. Brother LVR just want you to know, when we announced it to our church, we had an explosion. Faith spiked. People were healed. Financial blessings came. God worked miracles for other people all across this country. My question here today is, why not here? Why not here? Somebody could get their healing right here in the next minute or two. Lift your hands and praise the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, the contrast between light and darkness has never been greater. Yes, we are living in the last days. And yes, according to scripture, there's a great falling away. And the love of many is waxing cold. But the same Bible that warns of that says, In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I've told the church, you know why God helped us pay off the mortgage? Not so we can sit back on our laws, but so that we can have unprecedented revival. Let's grow. Let's pray people through. Let's baptize people in Jesus' name.
2: Hallelujah. Come on, right now. You ought to step out of your pew. You ought to lift your hands. You receive the word of God we've heard today. We've heard the prescription. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The mighty God
1: is Jesus. The principle is Jesus.
2: Preaching to us today. We need this kind of preaching. I said, we need this kind of preaching. That's the reason why we ask for the Alvear to come and preach. We want to be strengthened. We want to hear a, a certain sound, a clear note. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for this today. Come on. Let's give Him praise. Let's thank Him for the Word of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Not to add anything to the message but I heard my father say it a long time ago. And he's reminded us periodically years ago at a turning point in his ministry. He told the church, he said, if it goes to 50 or 500, I'm going to stay true to the message. That's the kind of determination it takes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Alviar for preaching to us today. We receive it. We believe it. And we're committed. Hallelujah. Committed to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you.